guys might know a little bit of my story. I teased it um, whenever we taught through Ephesians chapter 2. If uh, you didn't catch that message or any of the messages, they're all online, watermark.org, backslash summit. Click the Plano campus. All the messages from uh, the past eight and now nine weeks are going to be on there. So check it out. Send it to friends, things that encouraged you um, and have been helpful as you walk with Jesus. Go ahead and do that. But I was... um, this kid that, that growing up, my, my aim was to please my earthly father. I wanted uh, my dad to show his affection towards me. And I was a guy that also loved uh, to be the kid that looked good on the outside. So I had the grades. I had the girlfriend that was a year older than me. I had the sports and uh, I looked good. Like all those things, I was trying to fill the void in my heart um, that, that quite honestly Christ could only fill. Um, and I was trying to do that apart from a relationship with him. And so um, up until my senior year of high school, uh, I, I had been chasing after those things, building up my resume, thinking that would finally fulfill and satisfy my heart, and I was left wanting. And then, uh, like I said back in Ephesians 2, I was doing some things that were very uh, detrimental and harmful to myself, and uh, then I was placed into this uh, behavioral health center, is what they called it over there off 820 in Fort Worth, and I was with a therapist for hours and hours and sitting with a group of friends talking about our feelings and our thoughts and all that for hours on a given day. And um, it was while I was there, the fall of 2009, that uh, my therapist shared the gospel with me and uh, began to uh, uh, help me understand what it meant to um, understand what Christ has done on your behalf, that, hey, uh, you're trying to please your earthly father. You're trying to do these things. You're never going to fully satisfy your heart because only God designed your heart so that he would satisfy you fully. And so once I understood that, I accepted Christ uh, as my Lord and Savior. I put my faith and trust in him in January 6th of 2010 uh, while I was still in that behavioral health center, and it changed the trajectory of uh, my life. And uh, at that time, my, my buddy did something that was so gracious. He gave me a Bible. I had never really owned a Bible. I had never read the Bible. And uh, I was about to go off to college to be a history uh, major and get a history degree. And so I do as any Bible or uh, book reading guy does. I start on page one. And so I started reading. Book of Genesis, started reading about the creation, the fall of humanity. I got to watch Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And into Exodus, we see Moses leading the Israelites out of Egypt and into Numbers. We're wandering in the desert, and I'm taking all this in, and we're reading Leviticus, and I finally got to Deuteronomy, and I hit a breaking point. And I'm like, where is Jesus? Like, where is he? And I I was confused, and my friend as I started asking all these questions, like, hey, where, I, I'm not seeing the name of Jesus. Like, I, I thought we put our trust in him, and he came alongside me and said, hey, the Bible has two testaments. The entire Bible points and is centered around Christ, but he doesn't come on the earth until the beginning of the New Testament, like two-thirds into your Bible, bro. Um, and so uh, start reading the Gospel of Mark. And I was like, thank you. Thank you, thank you. So he pushed me in the right direction. I started uh, reading the Gospel of Mark and just that push in the right direction finally helped me uh, continue my walk with Jesus. And I think for a lot of us, we're gonna be in a similar type situation tomorrow morning because we've been here the last nine weeks and uh, we've been telling you what to read. Hey, go jump into Ephesians 1, then 2, then 3. And every week you've been surrounded by men talking about how God's um, taught them on Ephesians chapters one, two, all the way up through six, each given 
week. And tomorrow, you're going to look up and go, what am I doing now? What's next? And so the hope for today is that we can give you crystal clear next faithful steps for you guys. So we got two things that we want to accomplish this morning for you guys. Number one, we want you to understand and know what you are learning in God's word tomorrow morning. And the second thing is that we want to help get you unstuck and to take your next step with Jesus. Um, And that could be a variety of things that we will talk about here in uh, the next 20 minutes or so. And your leaders are going to have a discussion with you at the table with, hey, what do you think your next faithful step is? That's where we're going. So we're going to walk through Ephesians and we're going to see what might be um, your next faithful step. But I think for a lot of us, we can feel uh, really just quite honestly, we're just, we're tired. We're really tired. Um, because what, what we tend to do is we really want to uh, love our wives if, we have, if we're married. We really want to care for our kids if we have kids. Like we really want to be uh, a light in our work. We really want to be great neighbors. And uh, we want to, like when we're this coming Sunday, we're, we're not going to meet here. And we're going to be at our homes, and you want to be a light to those that are in your surrounding community. But I think some of us want the outcomes that come from a relationship with Christ without really walking with him. And so we feel really, really tired. Because you're trying to do all of these things, and God's over here going, no, I want, your relation- I want a relationship with you. I want you to walk with me, and therefore you go and love others but we just get tired because we're trying to do all of these things. And God goes, I just want your heart. Like, I want you. And so we're gonna talk a little bit more about that as we get going. And so Ephesians, the the thrust of it, you've heard it a bunch. Hey, our belief affects our behavior. Remember, what we believe in chapters one through three affects how we behave in chapters four through six. What we're gonna talk about today is how our belief in Christ affects our next faithful step. So that's where we're, we're going to be headed, okay? So let's jump in. Flyover, we're going to do a flyover of Ephesians. I'm a simple guy. When things get too complicated, I want to try and make them simple. So this is a simple man trying to talk to a bunch of simple guys about the book of Ephesians. Okay, ready? So um, in chapter one, we, we jump in, and Paul is talking about the blessings that come from being in Christ. So he's like, if you trust in Christ, this is what he has to offer you. And so he jumps into to chapter one and he says in verses three through four, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. So, and then he goes on to say, hey, um, these are the things that you are in Christ, you are holy, you are blameless, you are forgiven, you are adopted, you uh, have been sealed by the Holy Spirit, you know his will for your life, and you've been forgiven. That's what comes from being in Christ. And then he follows up at the end of chapter one by saying, hey, this is the purpose of what I just told you, so that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. He's saying the purpose is so that you would know that all that's coming from being in relationship with Christ. And then he transitions into chapter two and he's explaining the gospel. And so he talks to, hey, the, uh, the gospel is, hey, we all were dead in our trespasses and sins, dead. 
But God loved us so much he sent his son to die on our behalf, to live the life that we couldn't live and died the death that we deserved so that we could have life with him. And it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. It's nothing that you do. It's a gift of God, not a result of works that no man may boast. That's the gospel. And then he uh, moves on and he, he, to uh, the later part of chapter two, and he says, therefore, in light of the gospel, remember that you, at uh, one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, having no hope and without God in the world. That's the only command in, verses, or in chapters one, two, and three. Remember. Remember that you were at one time separated from God and he loved you so much that he brought you near through his son. So we have the chapter one, the blessings that come from being in Christ. He explains the gospel and he tells us to remember. And then in chapter three, he's gonna tell us the plan and purpose for all of human history. So the, the word that we have in your book is, is the word mystery. And this is, this is God's plan. And in chapter three, verses four through six, he says, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. The mystery is this, that the Gentiles are now fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So the entire plan is for not just Christ coming and dying for the Jews, but for the Gentiles too. The Gentiles are the same Partakers of the gospel, the saints, we are the same in Christ. That's God's plan to save the world. So that's it. The problem is, is that we're bored. We just listened to God's entire purpose for humanity, the gospel, and the blessings that come from being in Christ, and yet we're like, hey, Jay, bro, um, let's get to chapters four through six. Help me uh, be a better father and husband. Um, tell me what to do. But don't tell me that I really don't have an abiding relationship with Jesus. I get that, but I, want to, I, I really want to focus on doing more things. And the book of Ephesians is telling us, hey, what we believe about Christ is going to affect all of that. So don't let the doing drive what you're really believing. So trust in him. Walk with him. Don't try to fit in your relationship with Christ in the midst of doing other things. The only thing that you need to do is walk with Jesus. That's the only thing you need to do. Walk with him because he wants a relationship with you. And so we just get bored. And so we, we love the outcomes that come from an abiding relationship with Christ, but sometimes we just don't really want to walk with him. So the solution is you don't need to try harder. The solution is you need to focus on the creator of the universe who wants a relationship with you. That's it. You need to focus on, on him and walk with him. So chapters one through three, we're talking about our belief. Then Paul makes a shift in chapter four, and he starts to say, hey, let's, let's now, therefore, chapter four, verse one, I therefore, as a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So he says, therefore, in light of the blessings, in light of the gospel, in light of the plan to bring in the Gentiles, now you walk in a manner worthy of the calling. And so 
He goes on in, in chapter four to talk about, hey, um, now that, that, that you're walking in a manner, you need to get in the game to use your gifts to build up the body of Christ. That you don't just attend church, you're a part of the church to use your gifts to build up the body of Christ. That's the end of Ephesians 4. That we are supposed to equip the saints for the work of ministry. That's why we're called the equipping team. We come and equip y'all so that you could um, do the work of the ministry to, to build up the body of Christ so that others might walk with him as well. And in order for us to walk in a manner worthy of our calling like we're supposed to in chapter four, he goes on in chapter five and he's saying, hey, you need to bring your sin into the light. And so some of us get stuck here in chapter five because um, what's happening is uh, we're, we're sitting in rows on a Sunday morning and we're not sitting in circles throughout the week. And so we, we desire to bring our sin out into the light, but who do we have to talk to? Who, I don't know anyone that's gonna have a conversation with me and that's why you guys love Summit is because you're in circles. But yet you get done with Summit and Friday morning's gonna hit and you're like, who do I have? And so that's the, that's the hope of our community groups here, that you would be known and people would know you and you could drag your sin out into the light. So in chapter five, this is where Paul goes. In verse eight, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. He wants, sin prevents you from walking in a manner worthy of your calling, and God wants you to bring your sin out into the light. So that's why we push so hard to community. We need you to get around other people. And so that's the, that's the secret sauce for ministry around here uh, at Watermark. If you would um, jump into Regen to re-engage, if your students are in a small group, uh, your, your children in starting blocks and dash and K1 race, everything is in the context of small groups. Like we're just teaching God's word in the midst of small groups. You're going through a 12-step recovery program in the midst of a small group. You're working on your marriage in the midst of a small group. Like, that's, that's it. We just want you to get in the midst of other people looking at each other and saying, hey, this is where I've fallen short this week. This is where, where God's teaching me. And we want you to do that every single day of the week, not just on two nine-week sprints of the year, right? And so bring your sin out into the light. If you're stuck and you don't uh, have a group of men to be able to walk with, we want to help you. We don't want you to, to isolate yourself and as Proverbs 18 once says, seek your own desire and quarrel against all sound wisdom. We want you to walk in community. We can help you. Your leaders can help you, right? So we see the blessings that come from Christ in chapter one and two, we see the gospel. In chapter three, God's plan for humanity. Chapter four, we're walking in a manner worthy of our calling and in order to do that, we need to bring our sin into the light and then chapter six, he's saying, you can't do it on your own. So in chapter six, Verse, where am I at here? I lost it. Uh, yep, uh, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Did you catch it? Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. It's his might, it's not yours. It's his armor, it's not yours. He's saying, I want a relationship with you and I'll give you all. The, all of the power, all the strength, all the armor for you to be able to endure because you can't do it on your own. 
So you don't need to try harder. You just need to walk with him. That's chapter six. Walk, he's saying, walk with me. I'm gonna give you all this so that you can withstand the schemes of the devil. If you're hearing me say, try harder, you've missed it. We want you to walk with Jesus. That's it. Have a relationship with him and take your next step so that you can walk with him. The blessings that come from Christ, the gospel, God's plan for humanity, walk in a manner, live in the light, and you can't do it on your own strength. That's the book of Ephesians. And so, um, some of you guys maybe uh, want a really, you, hey, I, I get this, I want a deeper relationship with Christ, but I just don't know how to get there. I want to be in God's word every day, but I just don't know how to quite get there. And um, whenever I'm stuck right here, this is, um, reminds me of a truth that uh, we experience hopefully two to three days, or two to three times a day. And so, um, my dad wasn't really a great cook growing up, um, but he would grill on a green egg, uh, which if you have a green egg, it's amazing, uh, really overpriced. But they are amazing. It's a grill that you can use, and my dad would grill from time to time. But my mom carried the weight of uh, cooking for us in the home. And me wanting to, to help, I, I started to learn how to cook later on. But Thanksgiving is a big uh, celebration for, for me. I love to be able to cook food and serve and do all those types of things. But um, one Thanksgiving, I was in high school, my mom and I were uh, grilling the turkey on our green egg. We had our friends inside, friends and family in there. And um, we had this pool that my mom made to look like Mickey Mouse. And that's a long story. But, um, but we had this pool and we were grilling. And on the green egg, they have these like little um, plastic shelves that you can put on the side of the green egg. And uh, we had our platter out there. We put the turkey on it. We set it on the um, little shelf on the side of the green egg. And my mom and I were kind of game planning for how we were going to cut the turkey and get the food ready uh, and get everything ready for the next 15 minutes before uh, everyone starts digging in. And while we were talking, the uh, platter had slid off the, the shelf, took a one bounce off the concrete, the turkey did, um, took a one bounce and went right into our pool. And so um, being in high school, I just dove in. I like grabbed this hot ball of turkey. Um, there's skin and like turkey meat like floating um, that we would find uh, in chocolate for you know weeks and months uh, later on. But I grab this turkey. I'm putting it back on the platter. Mom grabs it. And I'm looking at her like only her and I know this is what's happening. And we're like, what do we do here? And my mom's like, it's a saltwater pool. I think we're okay. It's kind of like a brine. Um, like let's let's just go with it. So we uh, literally just grab paper towels and like. Uh, dried it off, and we cut it, and no one knew the wiser. Uh, and so we, um, we've also learned what Pyrex does on a hot stove. Don't do it. It explodes, and you get macaroni on the ceiling and all these sorts of things, right? So, um, but the thing about that Thanksgiving meal was, even though it was a fun experience, and we laugh about it, and every time we went back to that pool, we reminded, like, hey, remember when the stupid turkey was in there? Um, but that one meal didn't satisfy me and keep me alive to this day. That was one meal, it, and it didn't sustain me, and I'm not, I'm not saying I'm alive today because of one meal that I had. It was really my mom coming home from TI, driving in from Richardson to Grapevine, Texas, every single day and feeding me food. And really, a lot of it was forgettable. And I would just eat it and take it in, and I would grow from a little kid to a toddler to um, someone in, in grade school through high school. I just kept eating and I grew. 
And that's a little bit what like devoting daily to God's word and being in relationship with him is like. Sometimes we get stuck right here because we think every single day is gonna be this Thanksgiving type experience where um, I'm gonna get into God's word and tears are gonna flow and my heart's gonna be so moved and I'm gonna learn so much and it's gonna be so practical. And then we try that for two weeks and then we don't feel that experience anymore. And then we look at other people and go, wow, they seem to be experiencing a lot more than I am. And then we just quit. But, but what we don't see is the day after day getting to the table and just consuming God's word. And you're going to grow. It might not be this incredible experience, but get to the table every day. And don't eat alone. We don't want to eat alone. We want to tell other people, as we keep the illustration going, tell other people what we are eating, what we are consuming. Hey, these things are really unhealthy for me. This, God's word has been really, really good for me, right? And so we want to keep getting to the table every single day because you're going to grow. Because it's God speaking to you and he wants to commune with you and he wants a relationship with you. You're not going to have a Thanksgiving meal every single day, but you're going to grow. And so another um, thing that we talk about um, here uh, on staff is a lot of us are, you see in the Bible, and you, you're remembered by how you finish. That's just kind of a line, because yeah, I don't know if you um, see in social media, but um, quote-unquote celebrity pastors and things that fall away and, and things like that. The, the way that you finish is how you're remembered. You see, Judas walked with Jesus a lot in, in Really, when you're looking at the Gospels, he was a part of the disciples and did a lot of really, really great things, and yet we see how he finished. And yet we see Peter as well do uh, some pretty terrible things. He denied Christ to his face three different times. And yet, what is he known for? Being faithful until the end to, to shepherd God's people. And so we're remembered by how we finish. And uh, in the book of Revelation, at the very end of your Bible, in chapters 2 and 3, we have this moment where Jesus is actually addressing seven different churches. And one of them is the church at Ephesus, the, the church that listened and uh, consumed the same words that we have been studying the past nine weeks. And Jesus Christ himself addresses them. And this is what he had to say uh, in Revelation 2, verses 2 through 5. Hey, I know your works the church at Ephesus, your toil, your patient endurance, how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my namesake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love that you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works that you did at first. If not, I'm gonna come and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. And so look at, look at what they did. They toiled like crazy. They worked hard. They patiently endured. False teachers came into their midst and they said, no, 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 no. We're focusing on the truth. Look at, and, and, and Jesus is saying, hey, well, good job. You're doing all these things well, but I have this against you. You forgot me. You forgot the love that you had at first. When I think of the church at Ephesus, I think of Revelation 2. That this was a church that had a resume that did a whole bunch of things, but yet they were working so hard to do good things, they forgot the one who's perfectly good. And we at Watermark Plano are in danger of doing the exact same thing. 
So if, if you're a guy that's like, yep, I attend Sunday services. I've been to Discover Watermark. I'm a member here. I'm serving. I'm in a community group. Man, I, I'm in Dad U. I'm, I'm doing all these things. I, I jump into Summit. I'm actually leading at Summit. And you're forgetting your relationship with Christ. You need to repent and turn back to him and go, I'm only able to do those things because I love my king. And that's what we want for you. And so, man, if you... Um, so some of your next faithful steps going from here could be, hey, I'm, I'm, I attend. I attend Watermark or I attend another church, but I'm not really a member where the elders are shepherding me. So maybe your next faithful step could be, hey, I need to jump into Discover Watermark and, and see what does it look like to become a member here uh, at Watermark Community Church. Some of y'all have gone through the membership class, but, but you aren't doing what Ephesians 4 is calling you to do to use your gifts to build up the body of Christ. And so you need to jump in and say, hey, what does is, what is serving look like? Or, or maybe you are serving, but you feel like, hey, I, I have more to, to give the body of Christ, the more gifts to give. And you should jump into figuring out what leadership roles might look like around here. Or maybe you're doing this thing, hey, I'm consuming God's word. I'm a member here. I'm serving, but, but I'm uh, consuming, but not telling others what I'm learning. And so you need to jump into a community group. You're not being fully known. Maybe that's your next step. Or maybe some of you guys are like, yep, uh, serving, community group. I'm a member here. I'm in God's word. I'm at Dad U. I'm at Summit. I'm doing regen. Already did reengage. And yet your wife is like, you're neglecting me. Like you are successful at your work, working 50, 60, 70 hours a week. You're a success here uh, around with your friends at Watermark, but you are neglecting me. And your next faithful step is you got to cut some stuff out so you can go love and care for your wife and your kids at home. Because if you are uh, failing at the home, but you are a success outside the home, make no mistake, you are failing. And so if you need to uh, pare back on some things, hey, I'm going I'm to serve still, I'm going to be in a community, I'm going to do all these things, but I'm not going to attend some at this go around. Because I need to go care for my wife and kids way to go because you're focusing on the things that are most important, right? And so we wanna help you do all of those things, but make no mistake, it comes from a relationship with Christ alone. So we're in danger of being like the church at Ephesus where we could be remembered as a church that did a lot of really good things, but yet forgot their good and perfect father. May it not be said of us, and may it not be said of you. So we want to help you wherever you're stuck. So remember, we're gonna jump into table time soon and uh, we want you to know two things. What are you gonna be taking in for God's word tomorrow? And hey, take an inventory of your life. Hey, what is my next faithful step? What do I need to do in light of all that I've learned here through the book of Ephesians? And if you're stuck your leaders can help you, and if they don't know how to help you, it can come up to the staff, and we're gonna help shepherd you and, and take your next faithful step. We want you to walk with Jesus. That's our goal. And so we wanna help you take your next faithful step, but let's be men um, who are all in serving and being in a relationship um, with our king. So men, let's go.